Well, uh, we are well into the Christmas season, and, and 2021 is almost over. I feel like we haven't left 2020, but we're at the end of 2021, looking on to 2022, and there was a, what was the date, 12-2, was it 12-2-21? I don't know. There was, a, there was an anagram date. It was fun. Anyways, it has nothing to do with anything except for nerdery. Um, but as we're... As we're looking at Christmas and we're seeing the, the, the lights and the wreaths and, and watching movies about Christmas, maybe hearing the songs on the radio, we're, we're constantly being reminded of what Christmas is and all the trappings that go around it and how this is, this is the Christmas season. I mean, this is the season of lights. This is the season of, of red and green and and. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus and, you know, regardless of where you fall on that, and all, I'm, this is the season of Christmas. And yet, when we look at Scripture, the season of, of Christmas is not necessarily relegated to one small portion of the Bible. And, and in reality, I love that song, Jesus at the Center, and we got to sing it in, in uh, we, we were super multicultural. We, we sing Spanish and English and Latin and, and uh, maybe I'll pull out some Greek and, and we'll do some awesome things. But, but we were singing Jesus at the center. And, and Jesus is at the center of Scripture. And, and we don't have to go to Luke, although Luke is kind of the predominant Christmas story guy. We don't have to go to Luke to hear the Christmas story. Because even in the beginning of the Bible, we get this, this wind of God where he's preparing and planning to make Christmas happen, where he's, he's preparing and planning to enter into our lives, to enter into our brokenness, to address the issue of sin and the oppression of the enemy all the way back as far as Genesis 3. And so today I want us to look at one of the first uh, presentations of, of a Christmas to come. We could call this the ultimate um, Christmas past. <laughs> uh, so if you will stand with me, we're going to read out of Genesis chapter 3. And it's just going to be one verse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can celebrate Christmas and that we are being invited yet again to enter into this story that, that extends into eternity past and goes on into eternity future. That before the foundations of the world, the lamb who was slain, your son, Jesus Christ, was here. And even after you had created all things, God, you had a plan and a purpose to overcome sin, to reverse the impact of the curse, to defeat our greatest enemy, and to restore what was lost in Eden. So God, I pray that you would be with us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come speak to us through your word. Help us to appreciate, to revel in the fact that, God, you, you're not a plan B guy, but
but you have made a plan, and that plan brings us hope today. We can trust you because you are a faithful and a planning God who will accomplish his purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I know that this is not your standard Christmas text. We, there's not usually any sort of call and response where we go through the curses that God pronounces on Adam, Eve, and, and Satan. But, but this, I promise you, this is pertinent to our thoughts about Christmas. This matters for what, uh, what Christmas is. Because in this moment, we see that, that Christmas is about God defeating our greatest enemy... And it's about God restoring what was lost in Eden. Let me repeat myself. Christmas is about God defeating our greatest enemy and about restoring what was lost in Eden. Now, I I know that we we all love the Christmas season and we're excited about this, but let's be honest, it's cold. It's cold. I had to wear a jacket, and I like jackets, but it's cold. And I can imagine that in Eden, it was not cold. It was pretty nice. It was very good. In fact, Jesus, uh, God says uh, in, in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 31, God saw everything he had made, right? He made the stars, the planets, the sky, the animals, the birds, the plants, everything. And at the end of it, he just kind of looks back and, in this kind of understatement way. He says, it's very good. Right? And God's very good is kind of different from my very good. If I were to draw, I've drawn things and, and looked at them I'm like, that's, that's very good. But it's not the kind of very good that I would show anyone. It's a very good for my iPad here for me to doodle and such. But God's very good was perfect. God's very good was verdant. It was green. It was lush. It was warm. It wasn't too warm. It was warm. Adam and Eve, they didn't need clothes. It was pleasant. It was warm. It was, it was nice. The, the grass or the, the, the underbrush was soft. No thorns or thistles at this point. Right? Those, were entered in, those were brought in at, at the point of the curse. It was pleasant. Not only that, God had planted a garden for Adam to tend. In, in chapter 2, it says this in verse 8. It says, and Adam, or sorry, and the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And in verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. It was good. He was a gardener by trade. Work was in creation prior to the fall. That means that work is good, family. Young men, work is good. Children, work is good. Now, the fall made it difficult, but that does not change the fact that we were intended to work. Side note. Um, He was in the garden working. I'm not exactly sure what gardening looks like without Home Depot, but apparently he could do it. Maybe he didn't need uh, ten snips or uh, shears or lawnmower. I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I don't know, do you massage the plant? What do you do with the plants? I guess you're, honestly, I don't know. You're talking to them? That's, that's the kind of work we're about. That's the kind of gardening I'm about. You just go outside, how you doing plants? 
You're looking good there, tomato. I like that jalapeno, buddy. We're going we're gonna to talk later. And by that, I mean I'm going to eat you. But, and that's, that's, that's gardening. Well, I, I don't know what it is. But the fact of the matter is Adam was in a good creation, in a good garden, doing good work. It was good. Eve was there as well. And sometime between God creating everything and, and creating Adam, he, he cre- God creates Eve, and, and Adam is really set. Eve is really set. They have uh, this companionship, right? This perfect matching. <clears throat> and then in chapter three, three, you kind of hear the dun dun dun, some dissonant notes, and they they hear from this serpent in verse. One of chapter three, it says this. No, thank you. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And we see this interaction between this, this being, whom we later find out is the enemy, who, who is Satan, the devil, the accuser, the liar. He has this interaction with Eve and, and tries to entice her to disobey the one explicit rule that God had given Adam and Eve. Right, of all the foliage, of all the trees, of all the, the fruit-bearing uh, flora that was there, they were to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the enemy is having this interaction with Eve. Now, gentlemen, lest you think that we are off the hook somehow, Adam is there, and he is not protecting his wife. He's not holding up the word of God. And he's not standing in the way of the enemy. He's being a coward and he's being passive. And he's there with her. And she's talking to him, the enemy. He's enticing her. And it says that they both disobey God in in chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... That it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. She took its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Just for a moment, take, take Adam's interaction with his wife and Jesus' interaction with the church. Adam is passive. He kind of follows along. He doesn't really stand up and do what God has told him to do. Jesus goes, and he obeys the Father unto death sacrifices everything, stands in the way of, of the enemy and in, in the way of the, the, the impending punishment that is due to the bride. Adam goes along with a bad plan. Jesus dies to uphold the word. Husbands, we have a high calling. And unfortunately, we all tend to start at Adam. But by the grace of God, God gives us the Holy Spirit and calls us to a higher calling. And, and, and ladies, this is not nothing to speak of you. This is not to say that, you know, men, we have to be... No, this is, this is a call that men have to redeem what has been lost in manhood. So they have this interaction. Adam fails. Eve fails. And they both sin. Sin enters into the world. It affects what was once very good. Work which was very good now becomes difficult. Making a family which was very good now becomes painful. 
And that brings us to this interaction. They sin, they disobey, and, and, and then they try to hide it, and they play the blame game. Verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. This is, this is like the toddlers. Have you ever played hide-and-go-seek with a toddler? Right? It's, it's this. If, if you're online, I'm behind the speaker. You can't see me because there's a, a speaker pole. I'm hidden. Right? That, that's, that's ridiculousness of sin is they think that they can hide from God. Just as, as a side note, sin affects your brain. It affects your, your ability to think straight. That's foolishness. Right? They had some awareness, maybe not a whole awareness, but some awareness. Right? Adam knew, okay, I went to sleep. I woke up and there was a woman here and God was somehow involved. So clearly he knows that God is pretty powerful. They both sin. The Lord called to the man and said, where are you? Now this was not because God was ignorant of of Adam's location. This was to call Adam out. Please come on out, buddy. Come on out. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's step into into, uh, integrity here. And he said, I, I heard a sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Right? What had happened was, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? <laughs> the woman whom you gave to me, she, she gave me the fruit of the tree ate. The woman whom you gave, she, right, he immediately starts pointing fingers. Like just all the way to 100, pointing fingers. And so God speaks to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And honestly, hers is probably the more honest of the responses between the man and the woman. I mean, she is deflecting, but it's also true that the the serpent deceived her and she ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your, her, sorry, your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So in this moment, we see that, that God had intended to address two things, pretty big things. He wants to address the fact that now there needs to be restoration, recreation because of sin. And now there is an enemy that must be defeated. He has to address the fact that restoration needs to happen. Adam and Eve have messed things up. Sin has entered into the world. Brokenness has entered into the world. Rebellion has entered into the world. And this enemy must now be defeated. Christmas is about God defeating this enemy and restoring what was lost. Enmity, verse 15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman. What on earth is enmity? It's, it's actually a pretty simple word. It means it's hostility or hatred. It's not a word we use often, but, but basically he's saying, I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. There's going to be a feud. There's going to be a battle. 
Right? God, he is the one who shoots the first bullet. He says, I'm starting a war. A war against you, Satan. And I've got a plan for you. God curses the serpent in verse uh, 14. And, and as I said before, if we were to go all the way to Revelation, you don't have to go there. It's Revelation 12, 9, if you're keeping track. And Revelation 22. So in Revelation 12, 9, John, is, John the Apostle is, is writing this. He's seeing these visions, and it says in verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, comma, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels thrown down with him. So we're seeing some sort of picture of, of Satan being thrown from heaven, one of this angelic beings who, who um, opposed God. And it's connecting that being, Satan, the devil, the accuser, the liar, with who? The ancient serpent. The same thing is in verse 2 of chapter 20. It says this, And he seized the dragon, <clears throat> this angel coming down from heaven, um, he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, bound him for a thousand years. We're not going to go into all that, but the point is, the point is that this individual is not just some sort of garden snake. This is not some sort of uh, fun little mythical story that explains why snakes don't have, you know, arms and legs. This is the origin story of sin and the presence of our greatest enemy, Satan. Christmas is about defeating Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Now, in, in the original language, offspring there is singular. So it's not offspring like we, ha we have a collective plural, right? Where it means it's, it's a singular word, but it means plural. I'm trying to think like deer. Deer can be a singular or it can be a collective plural. Um, fish, thank you, fish. Those fish. But in this case, offspring is a singular, meaning one individual. So even here in Genesis chapter 3, we see that God is saying, I've got a plan for your disobedience, Adam and Eve, and I've got a plan for your rebellion, Satan. I'm going to reverse and, and deal with the consequences of your sin, Adam and Eve, and I'm going to crush you, Satan, with my what? One offspring. And we see that the rest of the Old Testament is the development of this line, this redemptive line. Right? It goes all the way from Noah, and we see Abraham, the people of God, Isaac, Jacob, to the kings, David, a man after God's own heart. And we see in, in I believe it's in Matthew, but we see these genealogies, and, and sometimes you're like, why? Why these genealogies? Well, in part, it's because God wants to show us, it's not Matthew, it's Luke. God wants to show us the line. And maybe it's not in Luke. It's in there somewhere. There's a genealogy that connects Jesus to David in Matthew, King David, to show that he's the Messiah. And there's one that connects him to Adam. Okay, it's in, it's in Luke. And it goes all the way from Jesus to Adam. So we see that, that Jesus is this, this seed, this seed of David, this seed of Adam. 
Christmas is about defeating our greatest enemy. So Jesus comes and what does he do? He takes on, he takes on the sin that we talked about. He takes on the, the punishment and the perfect judgment for our sin. And what happens? He is crucified. Satan bruises his heel. But what does God do? He crushes him. Not only that, Christmas is about God restoring what was lost in Eden. Again, Eden was a pretty okay place. You know, I guess we could think of like Tahiti or, or, or the Caribbean or somewhere where it's nice, it's lush, it's pleasant to be there. There's, there's plenty of fruits and vegetables that apparently were good enough to not eat meat. Vegan. And we're trying to get back to that. And in reality, our lives apart from Christ, we could frame everything we do as an attempt to get back at Eden without God's power. An attempt to get back to the place where work is fruitful. An attempt to get back to the place where relationships are, are, are harmonious. A place to get, uh, an attempt to get back to where we are connected with our perfect purpose. Right? Eden was, was the original temple. It's interesting, we get temples throughout the Bible. You get the tabernacle, which is this tent uh, where the presence of God falls. Then with David and Solomon, you get the temple. And it's this, this permanent structure or semi-permanent structure where God's presence is. But the temple and the tabernacle were never intended to be the thing within and of themselves. And if you look at the descriptions of the artwork and the gilding and all the things that were to go into these, these structures, they all pointed back to what? To Eden, to this garden, to this lush uh, place where, where God's presence and our presence met. And, and whenever we are pursuing things in life apart from God, we are pursuing Eden without God. We're pursuing ease and luxury and, and, and peace and, and a lack of anxiety and joy and happiness apart from God. The problem is that that was the place where God and his people were to be together. That was the purpose for which he created Eden. And Christmas is about restoring what was lost in Eden. It's about bringing God to us. You know, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and, and 2, we see that, that God moves along with Adam and Eve, that he's present with them, that he has this conversation with Adam. And Jesus comes to what? To be who? Emmanuel, God with us. When he ascends, he sends his Holy Spirit to, to be what? God's presence, what? With us. Paul calls us the temple so that God can be what? Inside us. He can be with us. He calls and he wants to rewind what was done in Eden, what was lost in Eden. He wants to reestablish this perfect fellowship. You know, Christmas is not just about this, this baby in a manger and, and that's, that's great and I love it and, and it's fun and we're going to have a, we might have a camel but we'll have some other animals to celebrate the fact that he was, he was in this sort of barn situation and, and it's fun to think about these things but we need to not forget that this story began in Genesis when we failed. Actually, it began before Genesis 
when God made plans for, for all of creation and when we sinned, God had provision and that provision was Jesus Christ. He was going to rewind, uh, rewind what was done in, in Eden. He was going to fix and create perfect fellowship once again and he was going to reestablish this perfect beauty of creation. In, in, in Jesus, we see God's glory the Bible says that in creation we see God's glory, but it's, it's a masked to some level because of our, our, our willing ignorance. It says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his, his handiwork. We can know that there's a God by looking at creation. There's something about God's glory, his awesomeness, his, his power, his beauty that, that shines in creation, and yet we don't see it. And so in part what... Uh, what Christmas is about is, is reestablishing our ability to see God's glory in all creation. Being able to see God's glory in all that he has done. And then being able to see God's glory ultimately expressed in who? Jesus Christ himself. Being able to see the beauty of God's perfect and, and, and matchless justice. To see that God is a God who honors his word. He's a man of integrity. He's a God of integrity. That he, when he says yes, he means yes. When he says no, he means no. That he's a just God. That he punishes wickedness. He punishes evil. And now when it, when it comes to my life, I might not want him to don't punish my evil. But when it comes to my loved ones, you want, you want to see justice, right? Some of you are like, yes. I'll show you what I mean. And yet, what do we all need? We need God's mercy because we are all in and of Adam. Because of Adam, because of his sin, we are found to be sinners as well. Because of our own sin, we are found to be sinners as well. And so that justice over there that, that we're so happy to uphold when it comes to others, it's a little frightful when we think of it ourselves. And yet God, in his infinite mercy, right, this beautiful, matchless, wonderful mercy. <laughs> I remember... This is not an endorsement for this kind of driving. I was driving quicker than I should have. Um, actually, I was driving on 7, entering into Leesburg. And it goes from like 45 to 25 in a blink. And it's a bummer. As a side note, it goes from 45 to 25 as you enter Leesburg. Please just don't do that. <laughs> and uh, I, so, you know, the blue lights came on. I was like, oh. I didn't even know what was going on because I didn't know that. It goes from 45 to 25 as you enter Leesburg. You know, PSA, I'm trying to help you guys out. And, you know, the police officer pulls me over. Do you know what you're doing? You know? No, no. You're going 45 and 25. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, license and registration. Okay, give it to him. He goes to the car, and I start praying. <laughs> you know, that's, that's usually how it works. He does his thing. I do my thing. <laughs> and he comes back and, you know, asks what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not trying to be like, it's like I'm just going to get some food for my family. And, um, and, I, and he said, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you off. Just, just want to let you know. It goes from 45 to 25 as you enter Leesburg. And I said, thank you, officer, for your mercy. And I was so pumped. <laughs> I was so relieved. And that was for a ticket. 
God's mercy is that we don't have to face eternal, that means a long time, condemnation. And family, we, we deserve it. But we don't have to have it because of Jesus Christ. And so at the cross, we see this perfect justice coming and the perfect mercy of God kissing at the cross. And we see this picture of God's beauty, his power, his wisdom. God restoring what was lost. God defeating our greatest enemy. And God fulfilling his promise. In Genesis chapter 3, God makes a promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise his head, but he's, I'm sorry, he shall bruise your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. God made a promise, and that promise is for us. Now, the devil heard it, but the promise is for us. Some of you, you're looking out at the, the Christmas horizon, and you're just trying to make it to, what is today, the 12th? You're make, trying to make it to the 13th. You're like, I just, I can't talk about the 14th. Don't ask me about the 15th. If you try and talk about Christmas Eve, I'm going to punch you. I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow. Some of you, you're, you're, you're in the middle of this tension of you got family coming and things are, are stressful. And, and there's, there's drama and baggage that you know, it's kind of like you're about to walk into a punch. You know, some of you, you're, you're finishing out the quarter, you're finishing out the year, and <laughs> you got clients trying to spend money they don't have and, and get that budget dealt with, and, you know, and, and they're calling you at all hours, and you're under pressure. And Christmas is kind of, you know, we're like, ah, yeah, like Christmas is great, but on the inside we're like, ah, I can't handle this. God made a promise. He's going to restore what was lost in Eden, and he has defeated our greatest enemy. Don't lose sight of what God has done. This song has been going on in my head all, all morning, you know, and I'm not going to sing it to you because that's my Christmas gift to you. Um, <laughs> but it's the song, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. You're going to be invited into a lot of things over this Christmas season. You're going to be invited into drama. You're going to be given in invitations into pain. You're going to be invited and tempted to sin, maybe with your words, your thoughts. You're going to be invited to trying to escape the pressure. And I just want to invite you, Noel, Noel, come and see what God has done. Come and see what God has done. Christmas is about God defeating our greatest enemy and Restoring what was lost in Eden and beginning to pay out the promise that he made. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of every person in this room. And as the song says, that we would come and see what God has done. That as we consider Jesus Christ born in a manger in lowly circumstances, growing up as a humble mason carpenter and then living this perfect, obedient life and dying of this horrible death in our place for our sins. 
God, I pray that we would see your beauty being, being restored. God, I, w- I pray that we would see our greatest enemy being crushed underfoot. And even as we face pressure and temptation and trials and, and anxiety, Lord, help us to see what you have done. As we open up our words, as we sing Christmas songs, as we consider what you have done in this Christmas season, help us to see and appreciate what God has done. If you're in this room and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christmas is about trusting in that God. And I would invite you to respond right now by raising your hand and I'd like to pray with you while no one's watching. If you raise your hand, you pray this, God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin and I wanna trust you, Jesus. Trust that you are the person who defeated my greatest enemy, the person who pays the penalty for my sin, pays for my punishment and the person who is restoring and bringing back to life everything that was beautiful in Eden. God, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I pray that we would see what you have done. In Jesus' name.